0: we
1: and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience! Thank you guys so much for the warm welcome. Uh, We begin the show every week this way. We travel the country looking for community service stories, uh, integrity, character, student athletes, getting involved not just with their weight rooms and their nutrition and their practices and their games on the weekends and conference championships, but we're talking about how they get involved with their communities uh, outside of that scenario because there's a whole lot of these stories out there that we need to cover and appreciate. And we have with us now Jake Stilwell, who's a football player here at Hanover. How are you, Jake? I'm doing great. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Uh, you were mentioning before that you and your teammates do some community service. What are you guys up to here?
2: Uh, during the season, we're pretty busy with things. So during training camp, we kind of get involved with a local church. We cleaned up a park for some of the children that they go to. Other half of the team kind of went around and helped the church out with some of the minor things they had going on. Our big times during the offseason, we go to the Boys and Girls Club. We go to girls, We go to Girls Inc, uh, Habitat for Humanity. We do a few other things, kind of that, like once a week, weekly, just kind of spreading it out, trying to get involved, help things however we can.
1: That's a lot, that's a lot. And you mentioned um, one of the projects you do with the church is you divide the team in half. One half does something, the other half does another project. What are those two projects?
2: Uh, The project we did this training camp was we went to a local park, kind of the defense went, walked around, cleaned it up as best we could. Lots of trash, really kind of about an hour going around it, picking it up. We didn't really even know where it was, Kind of stumbled upon it when they kind of let us there, and the other half of the, of the group went to the church, the offense, and they kind of helped out. I don't really know what they did there because I'm a defensive player, but <laughs> I know they I know they kind of helped around the church with like little things they needed, just kind of simple cleanup things along those or things along that line.
1: okay, so you're um, about nine feet wide in your tank top, and when yeah. you're when you show up to a park that you've never been to before, how many 911 calls were there?
2: Uh, <laughs> luckily, it was pretty early in the morning, so okay. we didn't have a lot. But So people, yeah. you know,
1: there's some moms <laughs> if you and see some. a big
2: old group of guys walking yeah. around, you're, you're probably going to think up. There's thinking, some
1: strollers, and there's some yeah, kids in yeah. some swing sets, and all of a sudden, you and your 20-inch neck are walking around, and they're getting scared. and. <laughs> But then they're like, they see you picking up trash, and they're like, oh, okay, these are good boys. Okay. Well, thank you so much for explaining what you guys do here. That's fantastic to hear. It's inspiring for, for me and all of our listeners to know that we need to get off our couch and make a difference in our own communities as well. Let's have a round of applause for Jake, and thank you, everybody here at Hanover College, for hosting The Adam Ritz Show.
0: Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social technically
1: we're in norman oklahoma on the campus of the university of oklahoma with the head
3: football coach of the oklahoma sooners it's coach bob stoops hi bob how are you great adam good to good to be with you and thanks for speaking to our team today I had a, a really good time with your
1: guys, a lot of high-character guys in there. You can see it in their eyes, how hard they work on the field. Uh, and I want to talk about how hard they work off the field with issues like character and integrity and community service. What do your guys do in the Norman, uh, Oklahoma area to make this place a better planet?
3: You know, quite a bit. Uh, there's quite, our, our guys, there will be a big group of them almost every week that will go out to the local elementary schools and, and read to the elementary children. Uh, I bring a group of guys about every you know every uh, other home game. I try and go up to the uh, o u uh, children 's hospital at o u Medical Center try and bring some players with me when we can. Uh, our players uh, really we have twelve to fourteen of them every summer, and it rotates which guys are going. They go uh, uh, to Haiti uh, right after the spring semester for a week. Before summer school begins, they take a week and, and go to uh, Haiti along with uh, Jan Rost, uh, are one of our women's basketball coaches, and some of the, the uh, ba- women's basketball team as well. They'll all go down uh, and really do a lot of charitable work uh, in Haiti as well. And how long are they in Haiti? Like a week? Uh, They're in there. They're there a full week and everyone has. Are they building? I don't know that they build much other than but they are out interacting uh, with the children and they come home changed uh, from the experience and really keep in touch, uh, you know, with a lot of the children still back there. I bet it's exciting for
1: them to be somewhere where nobody knows who they are. Because in this, in the area of Norman and the state of Oklahoma, really nationally, with the brand behind the Sooners, I mean, they're they're celebrities. So they go to Haiti. Nobody knows who they are. They might get looked at because they're big, because they're tall and strong. But nobody really knows or cares that they're big time college football players. That probably really helps
3: humbling them and getting them more involved. Very very true. And and it's amazing to them that the children really don't know who they are or that they're a big time football star whatsoever. All the kids care about is there's someone there that's taking care of me, you know, working with me, smiling to see me, happy to see me, and and the interaction with them is, is really special. So we're speaking with Coach Bob Stoops at the University of
1: Oklahoma. You mentioned uh, you go with the guys to the children's hospital. When you walk into a a little one's hospital room, um, I'm sure that over 99% of them know who you are. Uh, what's it like with the one kid that doesn't know who you
3: are? Uh, you know, it's, it's great, and, um, you know, A lot of times the parent's trying to explain to them who I am. You know, it's fun. Sometimes uh, the, the the child may be from one of our rivals, may be an Oklahoma State fan, and that's so, But in the end, it doesn't matter. They we end up, you know, usually you know building a, a great relationship, and and uh, it's fun to interact with them, make them smile for a little bit, try and give them uh, some type of present, you know, when you are there, and it's always positive. Uh, the and uh, it, it's fun. You know, you, you leave there with with uh, you know with the spirit of them that's really special.
1: One of the sayings that I've always enjoyed since I was a little boy is faith, family, football. Uh, It's a cliche, and I'm sure you're sick of talking about it, but family with the Stoops family. I mean, it's a football tradition. There's about 25 Stoops in the coaching ranks. Um, Talk a little bit from your, uh, I guess, expertise of being a family man, both with uh, your family, the Stoops Coaching tradition, your kids, being a father. What about family uh, in the Stoops family?
3: Well, I, I, I lost my father young. Uh, he was only 54. But I learned, I was 28 when I did lose my dad, that that um, my father was a teacher and a coach and, and was involved in every sport uh, through the year but i always knew from him everyone asks they thinks that's how we all got into coaching but no what i learned from my father was being a husband being a father uh and and truly that's all that really matters uh in in the end all this will leave at some point it'll be over and mm-hmm. and tucked away somewhere but hopefully your relationship with your with your children with your wife and all is still ongoing and 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 always evolving but but always special so to me that's all that, that I feel I ever need to protect is is making sure that's always in a, in a positive position. Coach Bob Stoops has coached um,
1: a whole lot of players that have made it to the NFL, and I know those guys have high character and high integrity. I want to ask you about some of your former players that haven't made it to the NFL that our listeners need to know about. Uh, I know there's hundreds of them, but pick one guy top of your head that really exemplifies uh, integrity and character. He could be 30 or 40 or 50 years old right now, or, or 23
3: years old, a recent graduate. Uh, who's that guy, and why is he popping out in your head? Well, there's there's I've had so many that are that are special. One that comes to mind is Landry Jones, former quarterback here, still trying to make an NFL uh, roster, but uh, did so much, you know, out in the community and such a faithful young guy. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, gosh, it's hard. I, you know, I've had so many players going on 17 years here now, but we've always had some pretty special ones every year that are really strong going out in the community and, and giving back. He's Coach Bob Stoops, University of
1: Oklahoma Sooner Football. Thank you for joining us, Coach. All right, thanks, Adam. Always good to be with you.
4: Hi, this is Jenny Anchondo from Fox 4 Dallas, and now back to the Adam Ritz Show.
1: And the show rolls on from Statesboro, Georgia. We're at the campus of the uh, Southern Georgia University, or is it the University of Southern Georgia Georgia Southern University? I, I got it wrong all the all the way. I couldn't have got that more wrong. <laughs> Georgia Southern University. What's the University of southern Georgia? I don't know if we have it one. it doesn't exist does I don't it? think so. Let's start our, start our own college. All right, you what know what we about could Georgia Southern University. This is Georgia Southern. This is Georgia Southern. What's Southern Georgia. Georgia University? I don't think we have. It doesn't exist, does That's it? Sorry. Okay, we're at Georgia, we're at, I almost did it again. We're at Georgia Southern University, duh. And I'm here with our special guest, Chandler Avery, and you're a member of a what organization? Uh, Phi Sigma Kappa Fraternity. Phi Sigma Kappa, they nickname you the Phi Caps, Phi Sig? Phi Sig. Phi Sig. And uh, we're here to talk about philanthropy and um uh, charity work,
5: benefits, uh, what do you guys do to make this planet a better place? Well, our philanthropy is uh, Special Olympics, that's our nationwide, and um, our colony here at Georgia Southern, which has about 30 members, um, actually just put on a barbecue event at one of the local churches, and through the States for Outreach, we actually raised over $1,000 for Special Olympics. Our uh, year-long goal is $2,000, um, and that will, able, will enable us to sponsor a kid from Special Olympics of Bullock County to go to the Special Olympic Games in the summer. So we're really excited and on pace for that goal this year.
1: That's fantastic. And that is the national um, philanthropy for Phi Sigma Kappa? That's correct. Special Olympics. And you get involved here in Statesboro with the Special Olympics. Now, how, how does um, that work, I guess, with details, with uh, organiz- organization? Uh, is there somebody in your chapter that has to meet with the Special Olympics uh, executive directors to plan this? Or do you just show up at a church with some pork and barbecue and sell it and have a good time and make money and
5: just hand them a check? Well, we actually have a philanthropy chair um, um, who works closely with uh, Special Olympics of Bullitt County and uh, we kind of have the planning for the event. Um, Our event we started coming up with ideas back in August um, starting to plan for this week. Um, But not only is our outreach just in donating money we actually also work with the organization here in Bullitt County to actually give volunteer service so coming up in the next few weeks we'll actually go out to uh, Bullock County Special Olympics and event and volunteer for the event. So our kind of our our outreach is not only in fiscal terms but also in manpower and volunteer terms. Do you have to cook the pig? We actually bought um, <laughs> all the butts and put them on the smoker about seven o'clock the night before the event and smoked them all the way till about four o'clock the day of the event. Um, made all the baked beans by hand, coleslaw by hand. Everything was all handmade by the uh, 30 members of our fraternity.
1: What was the feedback on the best uh, part of the meal? Was it the coleslaw?
5: I'm a big slaw fan, but if that, if that pig butt is right, uh, it was the pork everything definitely. was phenomenal. The pork was definitely what got the most uh, most positive feedback, but uh, everything in general went really well.
1: And you're telling me that this was the way you're telling the story. This is the first annual. Was this the first time?
5: Yes, sir. We are since we're a colony, we're only two years old here on campus. But just the fact that we've been able to reach thousand dollars as our goal is tremendous, and so we hope that this will be a second annual coming up soon and continue that tradition many years down the road here.
1: Well, as you grow with the fraternity and your chapter and uh, you become an alumni and a decade goes by, maybe two decades go by, you'll be able to tell the story of how you started this with your fraternity chapter and how this thing has grown into. I've seen this type of activity that becomes a campus staple, maybe in the county, like you say, Bullitt County, uh, Statesboro, everybody in the area will know this one day a year is the day you got to go get a a pork and slaw sandwich from the FISIGs because it's going to raise money for Special Olympics. And, you know, a decade from now, it could be 25 grand.
5: dollars maybe $40,000 raised. So you'll be able to tell the story about how you started it. Absolutely, and that's what we look forward to as we progress to get our charter and uh, build from there.
1: So we're here with Chandler Avery, uh, Phi Sigma Kappa member at Georgia Southern University. Uh, Let's have a little bit of fun now. Tell me something about this campus
5: that uh, maybe our listeners on the West Coast don't know uh, about. Well, you probably know that... uh... We uh, beat uh, Florida Gators back in 2013 in the swamp. Um, <laughs> but that wasn't the first of Georgia Southern. We've actually won six national championships in FCS, and uh, that's most of any Division Double AA school. And uh, here we are in our second year of Sunbelt and looking to try and get our second Sunbelt Conference championship. So we're making waves football and athletically-wise in our first little dip in Division One.
1: So I won't mention the other schools that other people mention when you say football in the state of Georgia. Um, one is – red and black the other the the school in Athens the other one in in the city of Atlanta with the gold and the what navy blue and gold won't mention them when we're talking football in the state of Georgia you need to look out for the Georgia Southern Eagles Chandler says
5: absolutely Hail southern go Eagles
0: fellowship leadership and philanthropy conversations and interviews from all over America it's the Adam Ritz show
1: it is now time to manage Some risk. Let's manage the risk. We have a professional in the uh, industry and hierarchy of risk management. This is David Merrill. Hi, David. How are you? Good, Adam. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, I'm interested to find out more about risk management, how it applies to our listeners uh, and what you do in your field. Uh, I'm going to guess, and from what I do and who I've worked with, um, you need to manage that risk, keep it at a minimum so everybody's productive. Risks including um, drugs, alcohol, behavioral issues, uh, how much of that am I right?
4: You're absolutely right. Uh, A lot of what we're trying to do is uh, teach these young uh, men how how we effectively manage the risk, and that is uh, basically putting initiatives in place to where um, they can address those concerns and have those conversations and then at the end of the day realize that if something were to go wrong what are the necessary steps to go through it to to correct those um, correct those mistakes that they may run into there's a reason it's called risk management not risk elimination and we just need to better equip these these guys and these young men um, to to address those to have those conversations um, to be more educated upon that and then when things happen make the appropriate and necessary steps to to rectify those so you uh, mentioned your
1: Guys, you are uh, the director of risk management for a national fraternity uh, Kappa Alpha Order, and uh, your headquarters in uh, Lexington, Virginia. Uh, I got to tell you, you, you seem like a young guy to me. How old are you? I'm 25 years old. Um, what does now? You're 25. I'm 45. What can you tell these guys that uh, that I couldn't tell them because I've got 20 years' experience in high-risk behavior over, over you. Believe it or not, I took some risk when I was younger. Uh, I don't now. I'm the most boring person you've ever met. I don't leave my house. I don't do. Any, there's risk elimination in my life. Let me let me guarantee you that. But I I. I totally can understand if you're, if you're 18 to 22 years old in a fraternity on a college campus, there's going to be some high-risk behavior they're going to face. What do you tell these guys?
4: Uh, I think it's important for them to realize that um, when they reach the college atmosphere, they're going to be introduced to a lot of different things that they may not have uh, when they first came to school. Um, There are a lot of different things in high school. um, They had most likely had a curfew. Um, They most likely had to report to their parents what they did each day. And when you get to the college atmosphere, all of a sudden you don't have that uh, immediate report that you have to get to when you get home. Um, Maybe it's, you know, college brand or fraternity brother. Uh, And then sort of the social atmosphere gets glorified through those different conversations. So what they really, really need to realize is when they go out maybe they're in a new atmosphere they need to be aware of their surroundings uh, they need to be aware of how much they drank because if you're in a different culture you're more likely to consume more uh, concerning the ad- atmosphere so uh, they need to realize that high-risk behavior is absolutely uh, attributed to um, young men and when that kind of occurs now we're putting different things in jeopardy uh, we're putting uh, the rest of our college experience in jeopardy in terms of academics uh, we're putting our um, future careers in jeopardy if, if we were to get cited for something. Uh, and so they, they just really need to realize that um, high risk behavior kind of elevates uh, when we get to uh, the, co- the college scene, first off, and especially when we join a Greek organization.
1: You mentioned being aware of your surroundings. Uh, I think that human beings, uh, especially men, especially that demographic, 18 to 22 year old men, um, they have a sense of trust um, mixed in with invincibility and in their ego. Um, which I don't mean like conceit or narcissism, I just mean, you know, all humans have ego. Uh, There's a sense when you combine all that trust, ego, invincibility, they think they can walk into a situation, a room, a place, a a geographic place, um, and not have to be aware of of their surroundings. Um, I think that's very important, not just for that demographic, but for all of us, wherever you go, to be aware of your surroundings. How can you get out of this room if it catches on fire? Um, Who are the people that look most high risk in this environment? Do I want to hang out with the guy that looks like he has heroin in his backpack? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm not suggesting to profile necessarily, but you've got to use some common sense too.
4: Absolutely, and I think the conversation needs to be centered around this will never happen to me. Uh, And then later down the road, it's like I never thought this would happen to me. I think the conversation needs to be what what things can I put in place now uh, to possibly manage that in the future so it doesn't happen.
1: David Merrill is our guest. He's an um, uh, expert in the industry of risk management. He's the director of risk management for Kappa Alpha Order. Uh, do you have any favorite uh, mantras or sayings or um, slogans that you teach your guys? Like uh, one of my favorites is, you know, don't get caught up in the hype when you're emotional. Uh, maybe even if you've had a few cocktails, if you get caught up in the hype, that's when you can make a decision that can affect lives. Do you have any mantras or slogans that you share these guys share with these guys? And I'm putting you on the spot now, but um, maybe after the interview, let's sit down and come up with some and, and get the URLs for them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
4: I'll, I'll give it good thought and definitely give get back the one uh, the one that that best fits uh, what I t- t- try to teach the guys. So when you were in college, where'd you go to college? I went to Florida Gulf Coast University. Florida. Okay.
1: So um, the, the interesting thing I've always found interesting about colleges in Florida is the spring break aspect. I'm from a part of the world where on spring break, you go to Florida. Uh-huh. High school, college, wherever, whatever age you are, on spring break, you hit the beach, you go to Florida. Um, where did you go to spring? spring break
4: yeah it's uh it was uh interesting seeing because a lot of times uh well especially at florida gulf coast university when you have a beach on campus and you have three beaches within 15 minutes of you uh you really kind of have four and a half weeks of spring break Uh, but a lot of times guys just get out of that atmosphere because they have it year-round And just to expound on what you just said, because um,
1: I learned that recently. I was actually at Florida Gulf Coast working with some uh, students there, and um, I asked them about the spring break question, too, and they said, well, we don't have a week of spring break. We don't go anywhere. We stay here and let the four-week cycle of Northerners come to us. So, yeah, they have class and they have responsibilities for three of those four weeks, but they blow them off. Minimally, minimal, minimally so that they can go to the beach and now they've got a new round of uh, friends they can make, so to speak, on the beach. You bet. They live where you vacation. That's uh, I'm jealous from a (laughs) from a guy that went to uh, Purdue and the snow in the Big Ten when it was uh, dark and cold, walking to class at eight o'clock in the morning. I'm jealous. Uh, David Merrill is our guest, director of risk management. We're talking risk management. Our listeners, um, not all of them are in college Uh, for a 40 year old guy, for a 50 year old woman listening right now. um, What kind of uh, advice? Do you know or learn or teach to your guys in that age group of 18 to 22 that really transcends to all demographics, all ages?
4: I think it's just a matter of uh, being aware of different policies, um, putting things in place to address those policies, whether it's certain restrictions within your organization, your business, uh, your corporation, uh, and then just uh, empowering men and women uh, to act on those certain policies, to hold those certain members accountable. Because a lot of the times when we see things fall through and a lot of mistakes are happening, um, it generally comes from uh, a lack of accountability uh, and a lack of response from those in charge. You mentioned, you said it earlier and you just said corporate cor- corporations as well.
1: From a corporate point of view, High risk behavior, especially with an arrest, misdemeanor or felony on your record, it can really hold you back for moving forward in the corporate world. I'm sure you see that
4: with your guys. Absolutely. And you see, it, uh, unfortunately, quite a few times in the headlines of uh, simple mistakes that, uh, you know, are are really on a higher platform. And so those are going to get elevated much more so than – Maybe a small organization, but we really need to what we really need to understand is uh, no matter who we are no matter where we are uh, we 're always on a spotlight whether we 're a fraternity man, a sorority woman, uh, a corporate exec um, or or anybody really we 're always on a higher platform so um, you know it, it really is a matter of uh, letting these young young men know uh at this conference that we are at this weekend that um as a fraternity man and as a member of Cap Alpha Order, uh they need to they need to uphold their best behavior because they are in a spotlight and uh and if, if they truly say that they're the gentleman that they say the fraternity is, they, they need to act upon it.
1: All right, David Merrill, thank you for joining us, and I'll see you on the beach. You bet. Thanks for having me. The Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio. And we uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us on The Adam Ritz Show. We are uh, coming to you now with our next special guest. Her name is Morgan McGill. Hi, Morgan. How are
6: you? Hi, I'm great. How are Hi, you? I'm
1: so happy to have you on the show. You're the CEO of... L-F-A, the one of the many chapters of the Lupus Foundation of America, the uh, Indiana chapter. And um, for our listeners, we want to get some education on uh, lupus and, you know, what it is. So for uh, our uh, listeners that are just tuning in and wondering, okay, what, lupus, I, I'm familiar with it. I've heard the term. What is it?
6: You know, this is a very mysterious disease. Uh, lupus is an autoimmune disease. It's a chronic condition. Uh, There is currently no cure for lupus, um, and it can look different from patient to patient. There are some lupus patients who have what is a characteristic rash. Uh, There are other patients who have chronic fatigue or have uh, different problems with different organs within the body. Um, It just looks different from individual to individual.
1: That covers a lot, skin or internal organs, uh, fatigue. I mean, um, what I guess of those three, I'm sure there's more than just those three, what is maybe the most common case if there is one?
6: Uh, Patients who suffer from lupus, they uh, refer to outbreaks as flares. Um, So some of the most common symptoms can be a skin rash, can be fatigue, often patients experience joint pain, swelling, um, shortness of breath sometimes. Um, There are just a a number of different symptoms, and that is something that we are just trying to uh, get awareness out about talking and giving tools to patients about telling their primary care physicians all of their symptoms that they are having because lupus is something that takes a long time to diagnose.
1: When do... You get diagnosed, are you born with it? Do you, is this in uh, junior high? When does this, uh, I guess,
6: arise? So the disease typically affects women. It's actually uh, 90 times more likely to occur in women, and it typically presents uh, from ages 15 to about 45.
1: Why did you devote your life to this cause?
6: You know, I was Office of Women's Health Director for the state of Indiana, and during my tenure, there was a legislative uh, action passed by Connie Lawson, who is now our Secretary of State in Indiana. She has several family members who suffer from lupus, and it was an awareness bill that uh, came to the Department of Health. Um, At that time, I received a phone call from the past CEO of the foundation, and she and I immediately just started brainstorming because it was something I really was curious about at the time. I had only heard of it once or twice. I I did not know anyone who suffered from the illness. So it was something, and especially since it does affect women for the most part, it was something I really wanted to take ownership being women's health director to make sure that more women were familiar with the disease.
1: Well, we've got uh, awareness and uh, fundraising coming up for uh, LFA, the Lupus Foundation of America, with uh, some initiatives that uh, you're overseeing as CEO of this chapter. What do you have coming up?
6: Well, we have a Walked in Lupus Now event that takes place in Crown Point, Indiana, and that happens this year on May 16th. We also have a Walked in Lupus Now event uh, for Central Indiana, that takes place at Southeast Way Park.
1: The walk to end lupus and um, 5K? Uh, is there a, you know the distance? Is it um, the traditional? You gather around, you get a number on your chest, you get the T-shirt. It's there's fanfare and excitement, and you do the walk and raise money and awareness.
6: No, this is not a competitive race at all. This is a, a I'm racing. A fun, I'm knocking people down. It's a fun uh, family <laughs> event. Um, we typically for the kids offer a moon bounce and face painting, and there are different food trucks that come. We offer a one. Mile route, Um, and then we also have a three mile. If people are are you know on a summer day, really wanting to get and get some exercise in.
1: Okay, well, if it's not competitive, if it's not a race, then then I have a chance of winning. Okay, I'll be there for sure. And uh, what are the uh, digital properties to learn more about it? Uh, I guess get your tickets or donate.
6: That's right, and we do have a donate now button on our website, and our website is www lupus and that's spelled l-u-p-u-s indiana dot org
1: lupus indiana dot org couldn't be easier and uh... for our national listeners around the country i'm assuming it's just uh... you know name your state at the end of lupus lupus north carolina dot org that's, that's a guess i don't know if i'm right but uh, i'm sure with google and the help of your uh, internet connection you can find out how and where to help your lfa chapter in your area um, now you have a gala uh... Event. Um, Occasionally I dress up. I'd like to learn more about uh, the gala event. We're speaking with Morgan McGill, the CEO of the LFA uh, chapter here, the Lupus Foundation of America, and uh, I'm finding out now because I I just love to dress up about your gala event.
6: That's correct. We hold that event um, on a Thursday evening, and it's a fun-filled beer, wine, food tasting event. We have several vendors who come out, and of course there are silent auctions to bid on.
1: It's not competitive. You don't have to eat as much as you
2: want.
6: (laughs) Everyone does. You know, the food is delicious. Um, A lot of local restaurants here that you would recognize uh, do participate with us. We have several corporate sponsors who purchase tables. Got it.
1: Okay. And again, more information at lupusindiana.org. Okay, and then outside of those events and um, just normal awareness and fundraising, over the course of the year, um, we encourage our listeners to just get involved. Post it on your Facebook page for awareness. If you have some extra dollar bills in your wallet, digitally uh, donate them to your local Lupus Foundation of America chapter. Morgan McGill, we can't thank you enough for your time, and
6: best of luck today. them. Thank you so much.